Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 113 of Shades of Brown, the last episode of the decade. Right? Uh, so in 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 true podcast in true like podcast tradition, we're gonna be talking about uh We're doing a best of list, right? And and I think I think it's important to address just quickly that I've seen a lot of grumbling online about how these wrap-up lists are kind of uh, filler content, and how you know that people some there's some hot takes online I've seen of uh, that you know a best of the decade list is useless because all you're doing is looking back when all, when you should be looking forward, and that is true. Like, don't get me wrong, very true. However, though, however, though, I think there's still an important, an important, you know, importance to that kind of of list making for the fact of that the everything's a flat circle right like if we were going to talk about tech we could basically it'd be accurate to say we started this decade by yelling about web apps with the release of chrome os in 2009 ish and the cr15 and all of that <laughs> yeah. or cr50 48 yeah and and we're ending it with electron and all that coming back and another rise of web apps and progressive web apps so i mean like you you could argue that looking back doesn't you know, get us anywhere forward. But as we'll probably talk about later, right? Um, actually, I think just to get into it, we can use Assassin's Creed 2 as a good example, right? Because at the tail end of the decade, we have Breath of the Wild. And you could make the very good argument that Breath of the Wild is just a uh, better done Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, that's like, some people are going to be very angry at that because Nintendo fans. Uh, but like, uh, let's let's talk about that. Like, okay, So this is like from my list, right? Uh, and Assassin's Creed 2 is is just like it's it's the game that defined the decade in sort of in ways that it's like more personal and also in in i think in in the sort of wider video games context because personally it is like it started sort of like my love affair with the with the assassin's creed series i think assassin's creed 2 is where the series really got off the ground and it, it will be people people uh, i think it's not like that's not like a hot take i think most assassin's creed fans agree that assassin's creed 2 is probably where the series really came on into its like own like own it's like it has its own identity it had its like characters it had its like weird quirks and like you know like the climbing the towers and like you know stuff like that so let's talk about this so it's like to it's uh this this game was controversial at the time in some ways because when it first came out in 2029 2009 uh like the pc version was delayed till 2010 actually by the way so like it it was delayed, and also this 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 PC version, which I which is the version I played, came with, with the first implementation of Ubisoft's DRM system, which is UPlay. Uh, and that first implementation was, to put it mildly, very buggy. Uh, like it it was just bad. Like uh, there were certain points where people who bought Assassin's Creed Two couldn't play it because these because the authentication servers were down and the game wouldn't work without the authentication service being online um and like that was a thing that happened and people were very mad understandably so that you know this game that they had bought was was not working and ubisoft later removed online always online drm but like at that point in time like it was just a mess but like the drm aside like it was just a gorgeous, like, like the the story of the game, like the story of Ed, like this. This is the beginning of the Ezio trilogy. 
Uh, so you have uh, this young Ezio, you have these Italian uh, cities, you have, uh, you have Venice, you have Florence, you have uh, like the Tuscan countryside, you know, like just like really gorgeous looking, like the art direction is superb, like the the movement system is, is smooth and like it feels very good to play. Uh, you have interesting characters and like an like, absurd but like kind of fun story uh, to go along with it. And the music, just like the, every time, like I have the soundtrack, uh, say uh, on my in my music collection, uh, it's, the OST was done by uh, Jesper Kid, who did more of uh, some more of the Assassin's Creed games. But like, just like every time I listen to some of those tracks on the soundtrack, I just like it just takes me back to like the the exploring like Venice or like Florence, and like it's just like gorgeous soundtracks, like amazing. Uh, and it also like created what is what is now known as the Ubisoft formula, which is the bunch of icons on a map. Right? Uh, you use towers to reveal those icons. That like you climb towers. In this case, like Eagle Tower, like they're, they're all like you, you jump off the like, you synchronize at the top of a tower, and then it reveals stuff around you. Right? That's like that's the Assassin's Creed version of it. Uh, and that's just like it's it's really weird to see how. Like ten years later, like how open world games have sort of somehow, some, like some of them, some of them, some of them have moved away from it, uh, very distinctly. Like, like Breath of the Wild is very different from it. Like, despite like our jokes about it being like a better version of Assassin's Creed Two, it's 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 a, it's like in some ways very divergent uh, in, in ways. But same the the core gameplay loop of Breath of the Wild can be traced all the way back to AC2. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it definitely has influences from the Ubisoft model of, like, and Ubisoft itself has iterated on the model over the years, and the, the current iteration of the Assassin's Creed series is is very different from Assassin's Creed 2. Like, it's much more RPG-esque, and it is much more, uh, it's even bigger, and it's like, it's less on focused on the I, I don't think that's focused on the exploration as much as it is based on like the RPG elements as it was uh, back in in like 2009. So like the series has changed, but Assassin's Creed 2 coming out redefined open worlds for a lot of other developers. Like you know, uh, I'm going to talk about like other open world games. So like we have, we're on topic here. Like other games on the list, like uh, like The Witcher 3 are like. But those are just better versions of existing games, right? Because like The Witcher Three is like, yeah, Witcher Three is like the better Witcher game. But it wasn't. There isn't anything in The Witcher Three that's being done that's brand new or or extremely innovative, which isn't a bad thing, right? It's just a good game. Um, did over some of the other ones on the list, but it's more of it's more of like there's going to be. I think it was an easy way to divide this list, right? Are like things that we fucked with, we thought were personal favorites, and things that actually had like an objective difference in terms of new ideas being brought to the table. I think like The Witcher Three is it's like I don't want to talk about it as an open world game because I don't. Like it is an open world game, but it is not all. Like it's not like I I like it because it's an open world game. I like it because it is a good like uh, RPG, like like story based RPG, right? Like that's why I like. Like I like the story elements more than the mechanical elements in in The Witcher Three. Uh, and like other open world games, I want to talk. Like let's put out the The Witcher Three for a moment. Let's talk about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and also. Uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and also one other one, which is Metal Gear Solid Five, and I want to talk about Metal Gear Solid Five because it is a bad iteration of the open world genre, right? Like it was, I think, in many ways, it, it's sort of a failure of the open world genre, right? Because 
in the, here you have a game that has normally been very linear, right? And uh, like a game series, like Metal Gear Solid, which has been traditionally very, very linear. And you put it in, put it in this series of uh, open worlds and then you go make this game with, with a series of missions. And it's, it doesn't work quite well, right? Because it just it sort of falls apart. Right? It doesn't quite hold up uh, the the same charm that the old like the Metal Gear Solid games before that, like Metal Gear Solid Four or like like Metal Gear Solid, like the the most famous Metal Gear Solid is like Metal Gear Solid what like three solid like the Solid Snake one. Uh, it's it's just like it's just the failure of that model. Like it's it's like if, if we're gonna talk about iterating on the open world model and like making it using it to your game, it's like it, we real. I think people realize that. I think developers at this point have realized at the end of the decade is that you can't just make your game open world, right? Like you just can't have like an existing franchise that was not open world and then make an open world and without changing a lot of the game to suit the open world structure. Like it is, you just can't make things open world, right? Like it's just not like you can't just make your world open and then expect like the rest of it to fall into place, right? It's that that's not how that works. You have to like like think about it holistically and like make it make all the parts come together uh like all like it just doesn't, doesn't work and probably the best open world game for me this decade is 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 horizon zero dawn like uh horizon zero dawn was uh was a was was a exclusive ps4 title which is unfortunate for reasons like that that chosa hasn't played it because it's a ps4 exclusive uh because i would i really like more people to play it uh it is it is a game developed by Guerrilla Games, the same people who did the uh, the Killzone titles, right? Uh, it is it is a gorgeous open world game. It, it has a lot of the tropes of the uh, sort of the Ubisoft model, but the, the slightly variant tropes and the sort of the machine hunting mechanic is is amazingly done. And I would actually, if I could step in too, I would argue and say this actually deserves to be on the best of a decade list for the fact of that the engine tech powering this game is what Kojima Studios is now using as well for Death Stranding. And a lot of other studios are using the engine developed for Horizon Zero Dawn. So the Horizon Zero Dawn engine is called Decima, and uh, this engine is, is like the, the the visual quality, like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like it, it, the Horizon Zero Dawn is a gorgeous game. Uh, and like the visual fidelity is incredible. And like the... Uh, when I when I first played, like this is the, the like let me just put it this way: the Horizon Zero Dawn is the reason I have a PS4, uh, and I bought a PS4 for Horizon Zero Dawn specifically because that game was just like it just it just everything I liked about it. Like I even like this, I like the story. Uh, like even though the story had like it's kind of like mm, in some places a little bit weak, but uh, the main character Aloy uh, is a fun character. Uh, I think like the whole mechanical aspect of like the sort of the enemies that you find in the world are very interesting like it's a very interesting style of combat too which is uh very hard to get right which is uh using bows and like a different kind of essentially like uh long-range combat right uh long to mid-range combat and it is very cool like you could very way cool the the various mechanics of the bow and arrow uh and the just the, I, I I just feel like this it sort of defined like the open world genre in like in all these ways, like it's just beautiful and like it, it came out in in what twenty seventeen, so it's sort of the end of a decade. But it's like it, I feel like everything that 
has happened over the last decade sort of culminated in this specific game. And I'd just like to shout out like the voice acting in Horizons Zero Dawn. The main character is played by Ashley Birch, and she is fantastic. Uh, great, great work in that in that way. So like Horizons Zero Dawn, the only game I'd ever done the platinum trophy for. So uh, that's why it's on my list. What, what, so what like what do we want to talk about next? Uh, I think I would say maybe hop into the racing games. Yeah, I want to talk about the racing games because I think racing games are personally very important to me because that's how I really got into video games is, is racing games, which is by way of uh, Need for Speed, uh, like the original Hot Pursuit back in the day. Uh, obviously, like a pirated copy of uh, Hot Pursuit because I don't. I, I was a child. I didn't have money to buy games. Uh, so it was uh, all pirated copies. Um, and for the two games that are on my list are Forza Horizon 3 and Forza Horizon 4. And when Forza Horizon 3 first came out, I was I was blown away, honestly. I was like, I I when I like when I saw reviews for it, I was like, is this game really good? Like, is this gonna live up like uh, to like because if you look at it back historically, right, we have Forza is a racing game that's gone all the way back to the original Xbox now, right? It's Microsoft's first party racing game. And then Horizon began as a spinoff by another studio for a more lax sort of, um, not, I guess we could use arcade but honestly, like Forza Horizon really doesn't drive arcade with like the rubber banding driving that you had with like Need for Speed games. But it was like a more lax arcade version of it as a spinoff. And so Forza Horizon 1 and 2 came out. They were okay. They were not like, that they were okay racing games came on the 360 at a time where you'd like burnout paradise and other much better racing games and then the racing genre went to shit and we had forza horizon 3 come out years after a bunch of bad like grid and need for speed and the crew and that one bad uh, burnout game (sighs) yeah so like let's talk about that yeah let's talk about the sort of death of the racing game not death but like the sort of the decline of the racing game genre right in the sort of the arcade especially in the arcade racing space it's like the need for speed series has gone to shit uh like there are other series like maybe like i think what are the, the burnout there hasn't been a new burnout game, game since the remaster that's been a good burnout game because there's paradise and I remember you had the so criterion games right i think they shut down or whatever need for speed or um ea merged their need for speed and burnout teams to make like one new game and it was just not good although i've heard this year is it need for speed heat i've heard that one's not it, bad it's it's very boring like it's just like the driving is not good like which is like if the if a driving does not feel good in an e for speed game, it's like it's like it's not an e for speed game. It's not it's not a, it's, you can't like even call it a good racing game at that point, right? It's like the driving has to feel good. Like it's just it's it's the core it's your core genre like mechanic. It's you can't just be, be bad at that. Uh, and it just like doesn't feel like it doesn't like like I would forgive the stupid like uh, like very silly story because Nick for Speed has always had really really silly garbage stories and it's like that's it's, it's sort of the appeal of the genre it's appeal of the series and it's like that's not a problem but like the problem is like I would I would get it if it, it had a good like racing model like it felt good to race cars in that game it doesn't it it just feels floaty and like weirdly sort of sticky and it's just not it's not great. But what does feel great is 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 Forza Horizon Three, which came out in in 2016, right? So this has been like near the end of the decade here. Uh, and Forza Horizon Three, developed by Playground Games, uh, and it is it was it is one of the uh, 
Play Anywhere titles, right? Uh, so it was uh, so like one of the first Play Anywhere titles. Oh, is it? Was it oh, okay? Um, also, one of the first racing games with crossplay too. Oh yeah, I think so. I think it was yeah, it did have crossplay as well. So because we could just play across Xbox One and PC, like I would, I would be playing on PC, and then Chris would be playing on on Xbox One. It worked, it worked just great. Uh, and it's just just really really good. It's set in, it's set in like an open world environment in in a fictional uh, Australia, right? And it's just like everything about it is just amazing. The cars, there are so many cars. Cars feel great to drive. Uh, the, the driving model is it's like it's arcadey, but it's not too arcadey. What you know, like it's like it's sort of. And like also, a- it introduced the progression model, which I think a lot more styles of games should really have. Which we talked about last week. We we're talking about Horizon Four, right? Which is you progress in the game by playing it. Which is a very weird concept that a lot of games don't follow, right? A lot of games are like, you need to do X, Y, Z progression path or activity in order to progress. Or you need to buy from our cash shop in order to progress. Yep. In Forza Horizon 3 and in, in 4 as well, like 4 actually just really went in on the idea, is that you just you just drive around doing stuff and you get, like, you get, you get progress. Like, you get progress. Uh, because what Forza has, it's called Forza-thon. So if you want to get, like, high-end cars or... Um, or any sort of high-end loot. They do have a cash shop, but you can always just... If you play in Forza-thon, you, you have a higher chance of getting specific drops for the theme of that Forza-thon. And they happen like once a month, is it? Or is it every weekend, basically? They happen super frequently, so you always there's always a chance to get really good car drops. And the game's really generous about just giving yeah, you Yeah, it just gives you shit all... It just so generous and uh, like one thing that should like uh, be mentioning in the history of this game is that when this game first came out like the technical on the technical side like it had some rough performance issues especially on PC like a lot of uh frame perform like frame rate hitching and like issues on that and and but it had like a glow up right it just like like the studio Playground games like they fixed they optimized the game so well right like they they, they fixed all the performance issues and it runs like and just, four now four is a beautiful port. Four, okay, let, yeah. Let's talk about four. Four is just like I, I think one of the probably the best racing game in this decade, right? Like for me, anyway. Like I don't know, I don't know what competitors there are in this in this specific space. So it's like, like you have the grid reboot, and that's about it. Right? Grid, grid is. I mean, grid is maybe not like a competitor to Forza Horizon. I feel like it's a different kind of game, but yeah, like it's like Forza Horizon Four 2018 Playground Games again. Uh, and and more so a piece of their DLC, I would say too. The for, the, the Forza team, you so see, you think normally for a racing game, you're like, oh, let's add like a new snowy location or a new metro location. No, 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 no. Playground Games is like, yo, takes head of the blunt. What if we made a Lego map? Or my my most favorite favorite one takes a head of the blunt. Yo, what if we added fucking Hot Wheels with loop de loops and shit? I still say so the. So B and Tetic have different differing opinions on which Forza Horizon game is the best. I I am I have to say it's three on my side because the fucking Hot Wheels expansion. That expansion is so good. <laughs> it's it's just like I like I like I like the absurd it feels like a, like someone at Playground Games like as their kid, what like what would you want in a racing game? And the kid was like Hot Wheels? <laughs> like Hot Wheels, I mean, like, and they're like bet, okay, <laughs> yeah, like I like I love that because it's like you just like they. I think the thing that I want to focus on the like I, I love both of these games, but four I think four is better. But that's like a like it's not like it's not really a competition more as it's just a slight preference. But like I think the aspect of these two games that I really like the most is like playground games. The way they're making these games, I I think their focus on 
the the focus you can see in these games is making these games just like fun to play like it's just fun like it's there is no bullshit like it's but just like right because four now has that car battle royale mode right it, i mean it, it yeah i mean it's it's just like it, it, it has a battle royale mode it has all these other game modes you, you, it doesn't force you to do anything like it doesn't force you to play the battle royale mode you can just do whatever the fuck you want you can just like i've spent probably more hours in, in force horizon 4 just driving around doing loops uh, and just just doing that over and over again, and the game's like, sure. I mean, you can do that all you want. Like it's it's. I think the game just doesn't. It's very chill, and it knows it's a game, and it's trying to have fun with. Like it just like the absurd ideas, like the Lego Lego like the Lego map, like the uh, like the Hot Wheels uh, DLC. It's like they're just going with it. A, a trend this decade was, um, I guess the the best way to put it is there was a lot of games trying to be like games for men tm mark here where like they're super serious and like and you know these are serious games where you have to do a lot of hashtag immersive experience and branded totino's partnerships to to power up and get get xp buffs buying red bull and then forza was like so what if we just made something that was fun to play instead of focusing on whatever other markety bullshit bobby kotick was shoving down your throat yeah yeah, just 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 put the sh- like just put like just put the, all the fucking cars you want. Like they, they, at the end of uh, Forza Horizon 3's life cycle, it's like they put in port the, the, the Porsche exclusivity deal with EA ended, I guess. Uh, and like they they just Porsche cars. They just put all the fucking Porsche cars in in Forza Horizon. Like Forza Horizon Four has all the Porsche cars you want. Like it's like just put all the cars like. This is the, it's a racing game. You put all the cars you can get in them, right? And they look gorgeous. You put all these fucking different racing, t- like race types or whatever you want. You want to drift. You want to, you want to do a drag- and, and better. You can make custom maps, right? That's the thing. Forza also lets you make custom game modes and custom maps and you can hold like tournaments and stuff for your friends. Like you can make like, a, you can make like, like this game is absurd because you can get, make a game, uh, make a custom race with like 24 lap endurance race or some bullshit like that like you can just do that like you can just the game will let you do and there's like a creative mode right uh you can like you can put anime skins on your cars right that's like you have a dedicated drone photo mode so if you want to get like if you want to get that that instagram drip yep you, you can like make you, i know there are like some people who take like really good photo shots like using the photo mode to take really cool looking like like very like it, i have had people you know what like i have taken screenshots from this game and i'm like i wasn't even like really trying to post them and people would be like that looks like a real car to me because the game looked just incredible like especially for the horizon 4 like turned up to like maximum settings uh like at like ultra ultra everything and like like at 40 40p it's just like oof. It, it like sometimes if you look cl- if you don't look closely it might just look like it's a real life photo uh it's just incredible like it's, it's it's one of the it's like really one of my games of the decade because it just defines what games i think more games should aspire to do uh which is just be fun just be fun uh <laughs> yeah and i think i think we should move on we're spending a lot of time on this one too yeah, the, the next one which is the exact opposite of games that should just be fun which is overwatch um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so overwatch okay you know overwatch is is uh overwatch uh, came out in in 2016 obviously developed by blizzard entertainment uh and you know like when i f- like i remember this game 
kind of like it sort of like has a nostalgic value for me because when this came out in 2016, uh, like it was I was on like like I was like on Twitter and like all my, all the people I was following, like everybody was super excited for Overwatch and like everybody on. Twitter. No, we were we were not on Twitter. I remember this exactly for a couple of reasons. We were on Google Plus. The um, reveal trailer, original reveal trailer, got posted. And remember, I had the top rated comment for like five years until I deleted my Google Plus account on that video because I was back when YouTube comments were tied to Google Plus. And I had posted like I basically I was like, wow, this is like a Pixar trailer, like teenage me. And that sat at the top until I deleted my account and the comment got deleted with it when I left Google Plus. So that, let's let, let's put history back into context here. We were not on Twitter then. We were on Google Plus. I mean, I was. I was also on Twitter at the time. But so like in my specific experience, right? Like in, I think the game store people I was following at the time, uh, like back then in 2016, it was like everybody, I remember when the game launched, like the launch day, the last evening, I think everybody was just like, "Hey, yeah, did did you get a map?" Like it, because everybody was trying to get into the game, and the game servers were just like fucking. Oh, it had the queue, right? Yeah, you had the queue, and people were like, I, "I got into my first game, yay!" And it's like it was just like a whole thing, and people were excited to play a video game. You know, like it was like some genuine excitement uh, up in there. And I remember too, like all the lead up articles, right? Because people once the game it came out, or once the trailer, once it was unveiled, a bunch of people realized that this they were using assets from the scrapped MMO Titan, right? Because that, that was that was planned to be the replacement for World yeah, well, of Warcraft. Uh, Titan was planned to be uh, like an MMO RPG, which they canceled right in 2014. Uh, which means that Overwatch actually has a whole bunch of lore to it that's still never been really put into the games because there's like a whole bunch of s- scenarios and stuff already written for Titan. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's like and so Overwatch is a hero shooter based on the uh, team based so team based hero shooter based on like. Uh, Team Fortress, like Team Fortress 2's basic design, right? Uh, so like the whole payload and like King of the Hill and like you know uh, what is what else like yeah King of the Hill and those other those those type of game modes, right? And like it's like uh, hero style characters. So this was more less less of it's more like um, it, it's a shooter with well defined player roles, whereas the traditional arena shooters, it's more about. Um, weapon powers, um, weapon play, and all that, and gunplay. Where Overwatch is, uh, it, like the concepts apply still. Like a lot of the concepts, uh, like ma- like map control apply, but it's not like weapons matter. Like it's like it's hero selection, right? Uh, it's like you have to you have to make your composition be a, like a good composition, uh, like you know. Uh, and and this game is important to me because I played it for like three fucking years straight. So how many hours do you have in it? Because if I'm going to have to reveal the amount of hours I have in a certain game later... I have to install the game to play it. I install the game. Wait, wait, sh- really? You, Steam will tell you if you just go to the game? Or, oh, it's Battle.net. I mean, it's Net. not in Steam. Uh, it's not Steam. Battle.net won't say until you... Like, it's... Battle.net won't say it. It says it inside the game. There's, there's a stats screen inside the game that says how many hours are you played. And I don't have the game You can't go stuff. to the Overwatch website and see? No, it's 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 in the, it's in the stats menu. Uh, and, like... I, it's probably like three hundred plus hours at this point. Like I, I would imagine that's probably what the amount okay, is. Okay, I have Overwatch tracker. I'm gonna type in your name. You are. It it would work because you have to connect your Battle.net account to that to have it track you. Uh, and I don't have that. Yeah, probably. Uh, and yeah, I'm probably have a lot of hours into it. Like I played it since 2016 on like most like a lot of like. I have haven't played as as some other played people have played way more than me, but like I have played a lot of it, and I. 
I'm taking a break from Overwatch right now. Like I, I have, I don't have it installed for that reason. I'm taking a like a voluntary sort of burnout break because I'm burned out on the game. So I'm, I'm taking a break from it. But it's sort of redefine what I think of online shooters, like how online shooters should be played and how like to work in a team based scenario and how I got into esports. Right, like that it is it changed a lot of things for me. Like it's like. Like in 2018, um, I got into like halfway, halfway through the Overwatch League 2018 season, like the inaugural season of Overwatch League. I, I got into Overwatch esports, right? And I got into it into in a very real way. Like it's just like I, I like I'm all into it. Like it's like I follow everything. I have like I, I already have tickets bought for like the homestand games in in 2020 for Toronto Defiant. Like it's I have like. I'm into it. Like I have merch. I have I have the skins. I have the I have all like it's I'm fully into esports, like the Overwatch esports scenario scene and like the tier two scene. I'm like it's sort of changed how I view online like competitive multiplayer games and like that's that's why it's like uh, uh that's why it's like one of my games of the decade. Uh but like and- at the same time though, at the same time it's it's sort of like supporting Overwatch is problematic, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I, I can like like I was about to get to that is that the game also popularized what is now known as the uh, loot box model of monetization, right? The uh, I, I won't call it a microtransaction because it's not really a microtransaction, um, and it it sort of made it acceptable and mainstream to have those in your video game. Uh, and that is always will in some ways be Overwatch's legacy is that they made this thing popular and uh, it is uh, unfortunate. I really wish the game. I, 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 it's just like I don't buy loot boxes. I only bought loot boxes once, and that was I bought fifty loot boxes in when the game launched. Uh, don't judge me, please. Uh, that was a decision I made three years ago. Uh, we all have. Different- I mean, I spent a hundred dollars on a Division Platinum Edition on launch day. So once again, can I really ever judge anyone for buying for spending things on video games? Also, as a side note on that too, a uh, certain family member got me Division Two for Christmas as a joke because they know how much I spent <laughs> on the original Division. <laughs> the best. Anyways, joke. back to Overwatch. Yeah, it's like I, I like I don't buy as as like my. I don't want to support the model, so I don't buy loot boxes, right? I don't buy loot boxes. I start buying loot boxes after that point. Like it was, I realized like it is, it is gonna be. It's like an addictive. Like the whole loot box system is designed in, like, like it's it, it is designed to be addictive, right? It is it is gambling. It's just that's what it is. It's just gambling, uh, and if like if gambling is it can, can be addictive in various very bad ways. So it's like. I don't support it. I, I still, I, I'm not playing the game right now, but I probably plan on playing the, going back to the game when they release the PvE stuff, like the Overwatch 2 stuff that they announced. Probably, that's what I'm probably planning on going back to. I'll still be into the esports stuff, so I'll still be posting about Overwatch League and Contenders and stuff like that, but for now, I'm taking a break. And it's like a lot of aspects of the game have become exhausting over the time. Like a lot of met, like meta game stuff has become exhausting. Like the shield meta and like stuff like that. I want. I don't want to go into it because this doesn't. That's could be a podcast like episode on its own. Uh, so yeah, and also like before I like move on to the next game, they should just like delete Symmetra from the game. 
please. Just delete. Oh, that's a hot take. I don't know who Symmetra is. That's Symmetra is, is, is the is the lady with the beam. Uh, with the, the, the thing being oh the one with the portals that you can like teleport yeah, to portals, parts of the map uh, she has been reworked like multiple times and I still think she's like a terrible character but anyways let's uh, um, that's just uh, and it's more of a joke I don't really think so much I should be deleted it's just uh, it's just annoying um, so I say since so we're talking about shooters too the next one next one I think we should focus on is one that you have put probably as much or more time than Overwatch into which is Planet Side 2 yes Planet Side 2 was the game I I was playing before I really got into Overwatch, right? Like, Planet Side 2 was the game that the shooter that I was playing. And, uh, Planet Side 2 is what I would, it's, 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 it's a unique game because it is the only game that I would call a MMO FPS, right? Well, not, that's not true, right? Uh, Destiny Anymore, 2, but back then it was. Back, back then, then it was. back then when it was, it was like a massively multiplayer, like massive. Like it is, it, I don't think it's the, like, I mean, Destiny, Destiny is technically like MMO FPS, but it's not like, I don't think it's as massive as Planet Side 2 is. Right, like on the scale of Planet Side Two. Well, Destiny Two is now, but I, I get what you mean, though. Like, yeah, back it's in the like day. I think it was unique at the time. It was like sort of like, and Planet Side Two. Heck, I've spent like uh, the Steam version says I have four hundred and fifty-five hours, but I also had it uh, installed outside, like using their own launcher for like uh for some probably like fifty hours more than that. Like it's it only only 400 hours <laughs> only only 400 man only 400 it's fine i spent like i i played a like i i had like a vs vanu sovereignty character the only character i played uh and i was just like really into like the massive like the massive sort of like the combined arms mechanic like where you have vehicles you have infantry and you have aircraft right so you use all of those things to stage an offensive, right? Against like a base, like you take over bases. Essentially, the whole point of Planet Side, like the Planet Side Two, is is, is is map control, right? You take over; it's like a big map, like a whole world, right? And you you have to like t- take over bases to like like lock off segments and like take over the map, right? And whoever like it rotates, like the the map resets every so while, like whoever has the most. Uh, territory controlled will like win. Like that faction will win the. Uh, we win that round, right? It's like that sort of like game. Um, it's like massive. It's always online, so it's like the, the thing is always going on. And at the end of the cycle, uh, when I was playing this, like near probably like 2015, 2016, I was playing with with like a clan, like an outfit uh, of other people. I used to do like Thursday night raids, right? You'd like we'd get together in team speak uh and like you know uh coordinate uh like teams like it was really really cool to have like this was like sort of my experience really getting into like playing with playing uh shooters with in, in sort of like a cooperative like uh like a team-based setting right like a lot of playing with other people who are like on your team and like trying to coordinate like strategy and like trying to coordinate like you know uh, plans and like wh- what are we gonna do next and like uh, combine and the whole combined arms thing we'd have like uh we'd be like it would be like infantry and i would play like engineer and we'd have like a medic on a squad uh and like we'd have like heavy armor on a squad and then we'd have our uh aircraft like air, air division and then we'd have like our vehicle division help us out like we would we'd call in like air support like you know it was like a real thing like it was like a whole uh, like really get into like the whole strategy on it. It was really really cool, and I think it just. I think it's just a really cool game, and I think I ho- I ho- I haven't played this game in a long time. And the game has tried many things. They tried uh, a battle royale mode recently, which which didn't work out. 
uh, which I, I, I predicted that, didn't I? Like, I predicted that it wouldn't work out. Like, it's just, it just, you can't just make a battle royale mode, and it's it, like it's just people who play this game are not interested in that. I don't think. Uh, Has the player base been dropping off though? Like, are they trying to get more people to come back to the I game? I don't know, honestly. I haven't followed the community in a long time either. Like, I haven't been on the Planet Side subreddit uh, because the Planet Side subreddit is a lot of salty, salty people. It's like the Destiny. Is subreddit. it more salty? Is it more salty than Destiny? Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. Some people there are are very, very salty. I mean, it's just like you know how like what happens is like the player base starts dropping a little bit, and like the like there are some players that are like really insular like the only game to play is by its side you know like stuff like that it's it's uh, yeah like i i i don't i don't follow the community anymore i don't know what's what's going on there was apparently a winter 2019 update so you know games still going on so i hope it's i hope it stays like it has then daybreak 2 gets sold they're not they used to be part of sony right now they're independent yes they they used to be they used to be sony online entertainment which got sony is sold it to like an i think like a equity firm or something i i don't remember uh and they're now called uh daybreak games right uh like i'm really like i really hope the game continues to have like a solid player base and it continues to iterate on its on its uh, like the recent oh actually recently they moved in they redid their engine to move to a new DirectX version this was a big oh that's actually that's a pretty big update then yeah if you're going to direct x12 yeah that was uh i'm trying i'm trying to find like the player like the the, the uh the note and it's like it was like I actually reinstalled the game at that point to see it, like how it was performing. And holy shit, the DirectX change, like yeah, it it, it was. It, they moved to DirectX eleven, right? They wait. They moved to DirectX eleven recently. Holy shit! What were they on? They were on. Uh, so this was back in April of this year. Uh, it, so they're probably on DX nine or something like that, right? Yeah, they were probably. I think it was DX. I think yeah, I think it was DX nine. Yeah. So this was. Uh, yeah, so the most significant part of this update is this change to PlanetSide 2's renderer, which has been upgraded from DirectX 9 to DirectX 11. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, so this was in 20, 2019. In the, they announced that in the in, on their sixth anniversary of the game. So the game's fairly old at this point, too. Uh, and, like, it was, like, the performance... Like, it, the game has always had performance issues because of the scale of the game and, like, DirectX 9 and, like, a lot of issues... And they had tried to improve it, uh, like p- performance wise, and like the DX nine to eleven upgrade. Just holy shit, performance is hell as like it's just a whole. New, it feels like a much smoother uh, experience, and and it probably allows them right if they're if they're bringing their engine up, it allows them to now essentially yeah take advantage of newer features and build out the game to to have to look better, right? Just because there's more. There's more efficient um, rendering paths they can take. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a significant boost to FPS performance on modern hardware, and it will give us a path for further optimization in the future, right? Because yeah, so like they they upgraded their engine, so I, so I'm I'm hopeful that Planetside Two is stays around because at some point I want to come back to this game because I think it is a very unique game. Uh, and a unique shooter, and like it, it, I don't think I don't want it to die because if not play, uh, like I, what would it take for you to come back to it then? I I mean I've been considering it. Like I I don't know, but like I feel like sometimes I want to come back to it. But I want to. No, no, that's totally fair. I'm just I'm just curious. I right? I don't have any specific like ho- I need, I don't need a hook to come back to. It. I feel like I just maybe at some point I want to play it a little bit more. I want to see what's going on. It's also a game that yeah you need like a 
group to play with, and like I, I, may, I might get into back into a group. Like it's, uh, it's it, it requires some time commitment as well because you know it is it is like uh, it, it, yeah. so it's like I at some point I'll get get back to it when I'm feeling like playing like corporate like multiplayer shooters again. Um, I'll come back to it probably, but I'm glad that the like the engine is in a better place now. You know, like that's that's a really good thing. Uh, so that's Battlefield Two. I think. I, do I want to talk about any other shooters? I, I think. I think. I think more so. Like, is there anything else on your list that we that we should really like go to in depth? Because you have a very long list. I I don't so. want to. I know, like. I want to mention at least one indie game before I go. Before I hand it over to you, I want to mention because it wouldn't be fair. I think it's. I think it's important that we mention at least one indie game for my. And the one indie game I want to mention is. Uh, let's see. Which one do I? I want to mention a super hot. Super hot is uh, sorry. You have to say it right. Super hot. You have to say it the right way. <laughs> the most innovative shooter I have played this decade. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, it is. Well, how do I? It's a shooter, right? But it is not a, your usual uh, first person shooter. It is. Mm, how do I describe this? It, it's a shooter that flips the formula on its head, right? Because essentially, the gameplay hook in Super Hot is that you only every the characters, everyone else on the map moves when you move. So if you are going to walk one step, then the other folks will move in the uh, same amount of time that you're moving, right? Which makes for some really interesting gameplay mechanics and level design. Yeah, it's it, and like the whole dodging bullets thing feels you feel like you're in the matrix, right? And like how you can like sort of it's 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 it's, it's I think in some ways like playing the levels in it um, feels like a puzzle game, right? Because you sort of have to think about like the map. And like where the enemies are placed, and sort of like you got to stop, think about it, and make it move. Right? It's like a chess, sort of like a chess puzzle thing where you 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 make sure you want to plan out your moves in advance, right? To account for. So it's really cool. I think it's just like it is probably one of the coolest game, well, coolest indie games I played this decade because just the concept of it, and it is like the singular concept that it iterated on, and it's just like they just focused on this one concept and it is just really cool and it, apparently the vr version is actually really really fun and i haven't played it but uh, i have heard that the vr version is really cool and a really good application of vr so you know if you if you have a vr headset and can play this game give it a shot uh it's probably available pretty cheap at this point too so it's like you can pick it up and uh give it a shot give it it's, it's really also f- i think available at games pass too so there's always that yeah it's available on all basically i think every platform right and i think it's like what like Xbox, PC, probably PS4, PS4, Switch too. I think Switch is super hot as well on it. I think you can literally get super hot on anything. Yeah, so just give it a shot. Uh, I I usually recommend a PC because you know it's it's F, still FPS, but like it, you don't need a PC for it. It's it's just the concept. Bro, I don't know. I've been I've been playing Destiny two on Stadia with a mouse and keyboard, and I am trash. I I don't understand I, these people tr- who tell me tried, it's good. Have you tried? Changing the sensitivity settings, probably that. But like, anyway. no, it's not aiming. It's aiming in general. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's a different topic, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like super hot. Check it out. It's my probably my indie game of the decade. Uh, there are some other indie games on my list. The list will be there. There are some other games that we didn't talk about because you know you're going to be here forever. Uh, we, we were trying to compete with uh, Waypoint's uh, six-hour podcast. <laughs> bless them. God bless them. Uh, so. Tacoma, not Tacoma, and Firewatch. I just I want to mention them. Those are my other two indie games. I like check those out as well. Firewatch is very very good. Tacoma as well is is amazing. So Christian, uh, it's your turn. I think I I'm gonna stop talking for a little bit because I'm gonna drink some water. Uh, <laughs> you can start with whatever game you want to start with. Uh, all right, all yeah. right. So I got 
I got the first two. We're going to kind of just breeze through them. And then the, the last three, I only got five on my list. We'll, we'll spend a little bit more time going to each of them. So firstly, we have uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Now, now there are a lot of Pokemon games released throughout this decade. And Heart Gold and Soul Silver, I would have to say, are the best Pokemon games to be released in this decade due to the fact of that I think they are the games that have a the most amount of content and b the best balance between casual and sort of hardcore ev training and all of that um because once the 3ds generation came out you sort of had it where you could only really like get into the hardcore stuff if you did online battles and that was it the game itself that didn't really have the battle frontiers didn't really have any good battle plazas and so the reason, the things that made Hardcore to Soul Silver special. So normally when you beat a regular Pokemon game, right? There's eight gyms or however many um, trials if you're looking at Sun and Moon. And once you do that, there's usually like a battle tower or just like a battle plaza. And that's the only end game content, right? You can go shiny hunting and that's about it. Pokemon Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver, however, there's another region of eight more gyms to beat once you beat the main game. So you beat the, so basically um, you beat the main game and then you can go to the region from the first Pokemon games, Kanto, and then you can play through all the gyms there and all of the content there. And there's a whole, you know, storyline and a whole thing there. And you can keep training and battle the original protagonist from the first Pokemon game as sort of like an end game boss. And there's no other Pokemon game that's really ever gotten that far in, in terms of having that much content in a one game. It's a remake of Pokemon Gold and Silver, which came out on the Game Boy um, way back in the 90s. So, like, Pokemon is is an interesting series to me because, not because I play it, but because it is it is a lot of people, a lot of people I know play it. And it's, like, very interesting to me how the game sort of, over the years, like, I've Doesn't seen, change? It doesn't <laughs> change, but also, like, people really enjoy it. It's, like, it baffles me in some ways, you know? Like, it kind of baffles me because, like, I don't understand it. It's, like, why do people enjoy these games? Like, I, I'm trying to, like, understand why. Look at... I'll ask you, like, what do you enjoy about Pokemon? I no longer enjoy any about Pokemon, which is part of the reason I sold my Switch and didn't buy them. Because I just, I got bored of the gameplay loop. So if you're one one Pokemon game, right, where you go around, collect them all, and then you battle them, it's fun for that specific game. But if you keep doing it over and over again, like, what's the point? Like, you get burnt out on it. Imagine if Overwatch was a 20-year-old series, and all they ever did was keep adding <laughs> new fighters. Oh, no, 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 Oh, my God. That's... It's basically like that, where the fighters, and, and over time, the diversity between fighters just gets smaller and smaller, and you're more or less attracted to fighters based off of the design of them rather than the gameplay mechanics of them. And that's a Pokemon game. So yeah, like I've always wondered what, like what, like the the basic loop. I, I understand people enjoy their basic loops of like catch the Pokemon, do the thing, you know, do the gym battles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I would say Pokemon is marketing. Mo- Pokemon is more popular because of the marketing and the TV show more so than the actual gameplay of the games. Everything except the gameplay loop of the games is why people like Pokemon and the fact that there's a huge online community with them and the fact that you can buy all these plushies and it's so marketable. It's like. I hate, I, God, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm using this word, but Pokemon is what I would say is probably one of the first lifestyle brands in the world of like video games. And Nintendo has been very good at making Pokemon a part of people's identities. Yes, I think that's also like a very critical part. Like I, this is this is one thing I I missed out on. Like I think I remember when po- I was like when I was like a child and like Pokemon was start be- starting to become like a big thing. I was like, 
I don't understand it. Like as a kid, even then, I was like, "Yeah, this is not that interesting." But you know, people got really into it. Like it was like the card games, right? Uh, you could buy cards. You could yep, the, the you trading could, card game. You, tra- you could buy the cards. You could buy the video game. You could buy the the toys, like the plastic toys. You could buy plushies. You know, all all like it was a all whole thing, right? It was a whole. Yeah, you're right. It's like a whole ask. Like it's a. It's not just the game, right? It's just like the whole world, like the whole. And you have a thing too, right? A bunch of people who grew up playing Pokemon are now having kids and such, raising them, you know, and they're bringing Pokemon into it because you show your kids what you like. Yeah, it's, it is, it is probably, I would say, Pokemon is probably one of the grossest examples of capitalism we have out there right now <laughs> in terms of just straight up consumerism and all of that. But Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver, pretty popping because unlike all the other shit Game Freak has done, this one's pretty good. This one's pretty. At least, I mean, I mean, people are enjoy. Like, I, I'm, I'm like not dissing on people who enjoy Pokemon. It's like what play whatever. No, you like, want. like what you like. But I mean, like, like, like we'll say, or like, we'll, we'll go to later. Like, there's definitely bad choices I have made this decade. But um, that's I think it's enough about Pokemon. Um, the next game is going to be Breath of the Wild, and Breath of the Wild justified my Switch purchase for me. I, I would have to say, like, I. I didn't realize when I sold my Switch, I had over 200 hours into Breath of the Wild. Like, Breath of the Wild, I would just put it on and explore. Like, I was 150 hours into Breath of the Wild until I discovered that island town. <laughs> Seriously? Okay. Yeah, because I didn't play the game of any walkthroughs. Oh I, I, I bought Breath of the Wild, and I'm like, I don't want any walkthroughs. Oh, that's, I want to yeah, I mean, that's go fair. through this game yeah. and just try and find what I can find. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, that's fair. Like, I, it took me, like, over... I almost beat the main campaign before I found the Master Sword. Damn! Like, yeah, I think that's that's one of the. I think uh, I, I didn't go into detail, but like, Breath of the Wild is is is, is interesting to me because uh, that's the reason I bought the Switch because I'm uh, uh, like I don't like I don't the Switch is the first Nintendo console I bought ever, so it was like the only reason I bought it was that the Breath of the Wild was like a really good open world t- title. Like, I didn't even care about the Zelda aspect of it. I just wanted to see how Nintendo has made an open world game and apparently it is their first open world game which they have knocked out of the park which is kind of incredible to be honest like it's, it's i mean it's it's how nintendo is though yeah they, they usually like a bad nintendo game is still a pretty good game <laughs> yeah it's like they, they get graded on a curve but it's for a good reason yeah it's like i i think breath of the wild is just like the exploration aspect of uh, of it is just it's very unique in, in sort of like the way it encourages you to explore. It's, it's a small scale, big game, if that makes sense. Whereas the map is relatively small compared to other games, but there's so much in it and there's so much to do. And that was that was honestly just one of why it gets the, the game of the decade. Because I played a lot of Zelda games. I played all the DS ones. And honestly, I would say next to, Fan- next to Phantom Hourglass, which I know a lot of people are going to be like, why do you like Phantom Hourglass? This is my favorite Zelda game. Because Phantom Hourglass was one where you get to sail, like, you get to sail around the seas and stuff, go to different islands. But the issue with Phantom Hourglass is that Phantom Hourglass, every time you wanted to progress through the main story, you would have to go back to a central um, dungeon. And basically, you beat one temple, you unlock an item that lets you go to the next floor of the dungeon. But you would think to yourself, so that means I would just start from floor four if I'm already there. No, each time you go back, you have to start from the first floor and work your way down through the dungeon, which became really bad near the end of the game. Oh my god, that's that sounds. But terrible. outside of that, I really liked. I really liked um, because basically, uh, what what Spirit um, Phantom Hourglass did is that it lets you use the bottom screen for controls. So you could um, swipe with the stylus to attack. You could dry out maps for um, items and enemies to go through. There's like a you get to control a um, like an armored soldier, and you can draw a path on the touchscreen for him to walk through and just defeat enemies and stuff. 
there was a lot of interesting gameplay loops there. So I really liked um, Bre- uh, Phantom Hourglass for that, but Breath of the Wild is still my more favorite Zelda game. And only the only reason I kind of miss my Switch is just to hop back into Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I mean, that's but, fair. But I, that's about it. I, I'm kind of like considering going back to and playing some like the DLC stuff. Like I don't have. I have oh, enough. Master. It was good. It was good. I played through. Uh, I played through a bit of the DLC. Um, I didn't beat it all, but it was popping. Yeah, I think I think Breath of the Wild is, is one of probably one of the best uh, open world games as well this decade, which is uh, incredible because it's Nintendo's first open world game, which is uh, sort of like an accomplishment by itself. I think. Uh, and um, so next up we have Animal Crossing New Leaf. I I still have my DS, but I, I kept my DS because a it's a 3DS XL. No one's gonna buy that for any decent amount of money in the year of our Lord 2020. But my Animal Crossing save is still going strong. I think I'm at like five years now on that active town, and I just hop in every now and then when I just when I get bored and I want to play some Animal Crossing. And Animal Crossing is a game that you that I play when I have nothing to do. It is, and, and it is, it is a time waster, but it is a respectful time waster. It is calm. It is a game that does not require me to do anything on a time limit. You never feel like you're missing out on stuff. Everything's comfy. It's quiet. The music's nice. And you can just go around and waste time doing things and talk to animals and stuff. And I think specifically so this decade, since for us at least, me, this is the decade that we like actually became adults. And, yes, like, that's true. Became yeah, to actually yeah. like realize the world for what it is and it's sort of like stressful and you have this game to help out with that and it's a very chill game yeah i i, I like i wasn't thinking about that in like the games in that way but like yeah that is that is so true it's so like this is like we have like it, it feels like we have less time for our games but at the same time the games we do play are like more important in some ways like the impact of these games like the emotional impact the psychological impact of like something like animal crossing new leaf or for me it's like uh, Forza Horizon Four is like just be- like it's never going to make you feel angry, right? Like it's always comfy to come back to, and that sometimes you need that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like a game you want to come back to because it just it it doesn't expect anything of you, which is like the most important thing for me. It's like it doesn't want you to like it doesn't need you to do like a like a quest or like unlock something. It just does. Yeah, that is that is really cool. This was it's another three DS game, right? This is. Uh, Yep, Animal Crossing for 3DS. Pokemon Heart Gold sells over to the regular DS. Um, well, I know we didn't put game consoles, but I'm going to say the DSi is still the best handheld game console Nintendo's ever made. Changed my mind. Anyway, sure. With- <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't have an opinion on the only handheld console I have is is uh, is and is it a- all comes down to the button clickiness. Okay, I mean that's we, fair. I, we, we've yeah. early podcast listeners from like way back in 2017 will know, or 2016 or 15 will know how much <laughs> of a stickler know. I am. I don't am. think we had listeners. I don't know if we had listeners back then, but yeah, like uh, if you listen back to them, you'll know that um, I really I hate bushy buttons on game controllers. Um, I clicky the clickier the better. Um, like literally put some cherry MX switches in that shit, and we'll be popping. How do, how do you feel about the Joy-Con? Joy-Con's garbage. Only way to play a Switch is with a Pro Controller. Yes. Holy shit. Uh, somebody agrees with me. Like, I swear, like, uh, like I, I don't think that's enough. Actually, it's not an unpopular opinion. I think the Joy-Cons are, like, the trashiest controller. Like The Joy-Cons, too. The problem with the Joy-Cons is they are not just bad controllers. They are the worst controllers Nintendo has made on a console. The Nintendo 64 fans, give me a second. Give me a second for the Nintendo 64 fans and say, what about that garbage controller? That garbage controller had a weird fit, but it fit in your hands right, and you could get a good hold on the thumbsticks. And the button 
Gremlins probably felt better too on the on the N64 than it probably does on the Switch. The problem the N64 controller, the buttons used to get sticky sometimes. Okay, I guess I mean that's fine. But like Nintendo, like it it feels like Nintendo regressed in the way of making those buttons. It's like it's sort of like a regression in making a controller. And that's honestly why I haven't like picked up a Switch Lite because I'm kind of scared. I'm scared of like a smaller version of that Joy-Con. God no. Oh God, like that. I, you know, you know. When I bought my Switch, I bought a Pro controller with it because I knew, I knew that my that my fat, the big fingers, on like those mushy buttons. It's it's not a good time. Those those controllers are not a fit for these big meaty claws. No, they they are not. Absolutely, like I. I I probably yeah the, the Joy Cons like always stay like I always have them attached to a dock and like I always use the Pro controller. It's just like I don't want to use the Joy Cons ever. Like it's yeah. just. Uh, but um, next up though, next up on the list, we have uh, this is a little bit weird, and I some people might might be like, why? And you know, fair enough. But Halo Five only the multiplayer. Only the multiplayer. So, <laughs> hear me out. Hear my here's my argument for this. Halo 5 is a game that um up until this year I would say I rank competitively in every single season of the multiplayer for. Um I enjoy playing the shit out of Halo 5's multiplayer. I think it's amazing for for the reason of that this decade's mostly been defined by battle royale games, by team shooters, hero shooters, and by the looter shooters. You know, there's not a whole lot of Arena, sh- arena shooters arena yeah. shooters because even call of duty right call of duty now has loadouts and specific drops and customizable weapons and battlefields always had the big map stuff right battlefield really isn't good for like the sort of smaller scale battles and what halo gives you is i don't have to worry about building a loadout i just go into a map you 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 know find the power weapon and you can outgun people right because the problem with call of duty has always been if you have the gun with the highest time to kill you're always going to win the match and i know infinity ward and some of the other studios have tried to fix that but with where halo excels that it's like hey everyone starts out with an ar and a pistol you have the same set of moves these guns all have the same range and there's a dance to getting into close quarters combat where if someone shoots first, you could still win the gun battle. By exactly. You can outmaneuver them, right? You can, you can outplay them. them. Yeah, yeah, you can outplay them. Would, would and like... that makes for some very interesting matches, especially more so. Um, um, did it with you at Overwatch. I would say Halo 5 is really the first time I really got into watching esports because I they don't do it as much since uh, 343 sort of kind of kind of fucked it all up but they had the hcs series for a while which is the halo championship series it's still technically going on but it's not really as interesting a lot of the players have moved on to different games but watching halo competitively is still one of those games that is really good especially if a good caster just because of the fact of you know that you know that each player if they're equally skilled it's more of who's better at that specific moment who can outplay each other at that specific moment who wins the match yeah exactly which i remember I remember watching like a bit of like HCS and being like, it's all about the strategy, right? It's all about outplaying your opponent because all these players are like equally skilled at a mechanical level, right? But like, it's not about that. It's about, it's about using the map control, using strategy, using like court, like using the map as, as your, as to your advantage. Like it's really about like a, like a higher level meta game, right? It's like, it's really, really cool to see that sort of game, arena shooter thing be played out in a, in a competitive setting. Like, it's just really, really cool. And also, like, I think, like, from Halo 5's multiplayer, like, the movement system is really, really nice. Like, I think it's, it's really, it's really feels really, like, it, when you shoot guns in Halo 5, it, they feel good. Like, it's, like, kind of feels like a simplistic thing to say, but it's, like, 
a in, 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 a, in a sh- an arena shooter like when you hit enemies it it feels good like it's it's nice there's like uh there's a good balance between like squishy and hard-hitting guns right like the pistol sounds like it's a hard-hitting gun and then you have like some of the um covenant machine or like submachine um replacements right they're like really squishy but in like a good way right they do expect for like a plasma weapon and they really hit it off the park with the weapon tuning and more so 343 had been continuously updating the game up until so like this year. There's another patch that came out for it. They've been adding game modes. They're continuously reshuffling the playlist to um they'll depreciate some playlists and bring them back for specific seasons, right? They'll bring in like anniversary styled ones where they change the uh the move speeds and stuff to match like prior Halo games. They have like action stack playlists like special like simple modes, right? Where like you play like golf or whatever. Just there's like a really good balance and i think wow 343 struggles in the story side to tell their story sometimes i think in terms of the multiplayer i think they're probably one of the more receptive studios in terms of really being in tune with what people who play the game want and being able to act upon it and improve in those areas yeah i feel like it's really like i I, in some ways i feel like 343 as a developer of the halo series right now is, is sort of in a position where like i think they know that if they if they Listen to the feedback that they get from the most dedicated fan fan base that they have, right? And sort of adapt that into their own skills and like make the the best Halo game that they could possibly get. That's where they will win, right? Like they- right, like like the thing we've been saying this entire time. I think we've said multiple times now, right? It's like for Halo Infinite, if they literally kept the multiplayer the same from Halo Five. Like, if they kept Warzone, which I haven't even got into yet, and and the arena stuff the same, and just made a really good story, a la Halo One great game like at that point there's nothing we could really complain about because in halo 5's multiplayer maybe new maps but like maybe new maps new armor sets and like maybe update the engine but like the core gameplay loop is on point there's nothing that i can be like hey maybe we could approve this area because everything the weapons all feel great there's never been a time when i play halo 5 that i feel like i've been cheated out of a out of a like a win right if, if i lose it's it's the game it's like I lost because I oh I could have outgunned that person. Oh, I shouldn't have charged them. I should have went back and recovered some health. Oh, I should have picked up that AR or whatever that was on the floor instead. There's always like lessons to be learned. Whereas in other games, <clears throat> Destiny, you uh you just get hit by a shotgun and that's it. You know, you're dead. Yeah, I mean this, this is this, I should I want to like like we're gonna get into Destiny in a bit, right? Uh, and I want to mention. Something. Well, we're getting into Destiny next, so like that might as well. Like- well, let me let's finish up with Warzone real quick, and then we'll get into that. So, and then you also have the mode Warzone, which is a PvP P or VE um, mode, especially player versus player versus environment, where you have to capture bases and kill bosses while also fighting other players. And I still, I think Warzone could do some tweaks, right? I think Warzone, I think there, it's, it's, it's such a new game mode. There's some. I think shortening the matches, maybe making smaller maps wouldn't be more useful. I think Yeah, I think some of the maps are a little bit too big, right? And it's like it doesn't work out as well. But it's like tweaks. I think I still think the core idea is actually really good. And like when 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 you have a full war zone match, right, and and everything goes well, it's a really fun time. It's just that they tend to run a little long and that's why they have Warzone Assault in a bunch of different modes. But I think Warzone 2 was taking a risk in the right way, right? Where they leave the core, the core multiplayer part. Don't touch that, right? That's what people want Halo for, but create a new mode and see how people react to it. And I think it's gotten better with continuous updates and new maps, but I, I do hope that for Infinite, they do continue on with Warzone because I think Warzone, especially compared to like Gambit or the the Horde mode in Gears 5, is a lot better and, and is something that I still play sometimes, but 
it's it it, it definitely needs some tweaks but the idea of it because essentially it's like planet side light right where it's like you have bases you have to conquer in that yes yeah yeah it is it is sort of like it is interesting because it's sort of like using that model of like combined arms right and it is i mean it's not quite as balanced as planning plan side two because the passive two like everybody sort of like gets that uh there's no versus is there are there like ai enemies on planet side two no it's all players uh there are no ai uh so like it feels like the rec system is could use maybe some reworking like i i don't know like it's this needs to be balancing changes for that to be like going forward i think but but i still think it it deserves a spot on this list for the fact of of the core the core arena multiplayer still holding up still being like see that's the thing about halo games right if you look at the best examples of a halo multiplayer especially the master chief collection you could hop into halo one multiplayer like me and sad could hop into halo ce hop in a playlist and still have a good time right like we hop into Halo C multiplayer, like we, you're gonna, you could still yeah, win even a like uh, Halo Reach multiplayer that that just came out. Like it's just like it. Yeah, I don't think a Halo Reach's multiplayer is like. I don't think it's like that great. I don't know. It's like it's fine. It's just not. It's not like Halo Reach. Halo Reach was a low point, but I'd say like for the good examples, like the good Halo games, right? Like the multiplayer, it's still you still hop in there and you could still go hard and have like a great time. And I think that's a sign of a of a well crafted multiplayer game. Whereas especially if games like Overwatch and Call of Duty, you have, there, there's this idea in modern shooters now that we need to have metas that change of each season or whatever, right? Like the meta needs to change. And I, I don't think that's the best way to do multiplayer shooter. I think that having a meta where some things are favored more than others mean, mean that the game doesn't feel as timeless and more so it, it's harder to keep hooked into it because you mechanically don't, it's not you play the game and you get better at it, right? Because of Halo, if you eventually play Halo, you keep playing it and you keep trying, you'll eventually get good at it. But in Overwatch, if you just don't like using Doomfist, right, and Doomfist happens to be the strongest character, uh. you are ne- <laughs> you are inherently at a disadvantage in the game. You're going to lose matches because you're not playing Doomfist. It's, it's the same thing in Destiny too, right? If you don't use like Recluse and Mountaintop, you are going to lose matches in Crucible, which is why no one fucking plays Crucible. Um, but with that though, let's let's switch over to the the last game we have and um. Which is Destiny. Destiny 1 is I'm going to put that over Destiny 2. And to start off, let's, uh, let, let's, let's talk about time played on these games. So we look at, let's look at Destiny 2, right? So Destiny 2 been out less time than Destiny 1. The total play time I have on it is uh, via the Xbox dashboard. So not Bungie's net zone counter, but the Microsoft one, which is counting time the game's been opened. It is 16 days seven hours and 35 minutes of active game time destiny one that also equates around 400 hours i believe 300 hours something like that and then you have destiny one 42 days and 41 minutes so in total if you take my time over destiny one and destiny two combined that is 1400 hours and 25 ish minutes (laughs) that is 60 days essentially essentially two months Two months of playing the game. Not two months of owning the game. Not two months of being around the game. Two months of moving your character, doing matches, doing strikes, doing shit in the game. That is just that that that's it's one of those things like in MMOs, I think people who play MMOs probably understand this. Like it's like you just the hours are like the hours go by quick. It doesn't feel like I've spent two months playing this game. That's the thing too. I honestly doesn't. And like 
I don't know. Like I've done other stuff in my life. Not like I've I've gone outside sometimes. <laughs> like I've gone to the club. Like I've I've gone out. I've I I've a, I'm a functional adult. I think sometimes, but yeah, it's a it's a lot of time spent. So here's it's time to to wax about Destiny for a bit. This game series um has gone from being at times one of the trashiest games to one of the most fun and just goes back and forth. It's a cycle. It has its highs and it has its lows. So I would say this would be a game of the decade for me. This is like the number one on this honest list if I was to rank them for the fact of that I have never had more fun playing a game. Like just the I play this game because I have fun playing it. I have fun playing the gameplay loop. While we make jokes about how sometimes games feels like jobs, right? Like if I didn't want to play Destiny anymore, I could just stop, right? Like I I I don't feel committed to this where like it I need to get uh, need to play it or anything, but I just play it because I want to. Um, and I know there's things the game does to try and loop me in, right? Seasonal events, the FOMO stuff, the whole play it for more loop, get that whole gameplay look in, get you hooked in. Like I I understand that, but at the end of the day, if I didn't want to play this game, then I I wouldn't be playing it. So with with Destiny, the the reason I think it is so important of a game is that it is the first time console game players and PC players have had a first-person shooter MMO that has gone all the way to be the whole experience of a WoW-like game, right? Where you have dungeon equivalents, you have story campaigns, you have banal you know, quests that you just get thrown at you. You have a bounty system. You have a whole XP system. You have a gear system. You have a raid system. You have a moderately functioning PvP system. And you also have an end game PvP system, right? And you also have like a Warzone style game mode. It, it, it hits all of the... If you were to tell me, you know, what would you want from a shooter version of World of Warcraft? Yes. Destiny's basically it, you know, in terms of like loosely looking at the the game types. Yeah, that's 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 uh, like it it is the MMO FPS of the decade, right? Like really it sort of made like it sort of went in like I think Destiny 2 really went into it, right? Like, I, I think and I think too Destiny accidentally went there. I don't even think they intended on making it an MMO. I literally think they were going to make like a multiplayer Borderlands style game with some MMO-ish elements and then people just kept playing it. Yeah. <laughs> Like the player base, they just didn't stop playing it. I don't think. I think when Destiny One came out, it was not intended to be played for hundreds of hours on. Yeah, end. I think it was really meant to be like a Borderlands equivalent. Yeah, that's... because you literally went from level one to twenty nine, and that was it. Your gear determined the level you're at, and twenty nine, you're done. And then people are like, "Well, we want more to do." And Bungie's was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh!" And it's taken them all the way now until Destiny Two Shadowkeep for them to realize that this thing needs to be a full MMO and. The way they're doing it now, it's I think it's probably the best the game's been at. But specifically, I would say Destiny 1, The Taken King, is probably the highest this game's ever been at. Just for the reason of, I think that's still the best expansion. I think the raids and the endgame content was at its best then. But I would say below it, right now where we're at in Season of the Dawn is, is second best. Because how Bungie used to do it, they used to do it where you'd go into a game, you'd play the expansion content, and then a couple months later, they released another story expansion for a new location and some more story missions. But what they've ended up doing now is they've essentially made it where there's seasons. And you buy a season pass, you get a season, you know, you could get ranks in that and unlock content through it. And on top of that, they're time-gating content. So each week, a new bit of the story is, uh, is being unlocked to players and a new quest for that specific week will be, um, will be available for you. So like it's Season of the Dawn, right? Like right now, the most current season, how we have it is the first week, 
oh shit, there's some vexing going on. Osiris gives you a, a story mission to do. You play through the quest, you go back into the past, you have this really great story mission, and that's it. That's part one. The next week, you part two of the quest is given to you, and you can go do that and do part two. And then this week, you had part three. So it's just going week by week, new parts of the story are being, and it's more of like an overarching story where last season bled into the events of this season, and this season is going to bleed into the events of the next season, which I think is a really smart way of doing it. Where where the game falters, though, I think is the the gameplay loop itself has always been solid, right? Like gunplay has always been solid. I think, though, that Bungie tries to nudge people to play the game in the ways that they don't want to play it. Where so I have essentially been using the same loadout since 2014 or 15 in this game. I've been using a Mita multi tool, a Vestian Dynasty, and Celestial Nighthawk, and the precision, precision skill um, stability buff Gunslinger. So you know the one where if you get a headshot, it makes your weapon reload faster, and you get um, more stable shoots shots. So the more headshots you get, the more precision shots you get, the better your gun handles. I've literally been using that for 1,400 hours now, and Bungie tries really hard to get me to use different loadouts. This game really pushes you to be like, hey, we have a new meta for this season. What if you tried what if you tried X gun, Y gun? And me, I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna Yeah, I'm just gonna stick with my minor multi-tool over here. <laughs> and the problem is is that over the course of this game, I've either been really good in Crucible or really bad because of their fucking meta changes. So sometimes the meta might lean towards scout, uh, sidearms and scout rifles being really effective weapons, but other times they might be nerfed and it might just be a horrible time. And that that is, goes back to I I don't like playing PvP and Destiny. I've I've learned that just over the, the amount of time it's not fun to play. Like and Bungie just doesn't do anything about it. They really the, the Crucible is the least touched part of the game. I I I think I think Crucible feels sort of like they had to do it. They had to have a PvP element in the game to make the round out the experience. And it's sort of like, it's not like what they really want to focus on. Like, I feel like. Just... But they have to, though, right? Because there's, there's, a, there's a strong community of people who just only play PvP. There's so many, as you want to talk about the Salty Destiny subreddit, the most accurate posts are there's people who are like, hey, the PvP stuff's cool. PvE stuff's cool, right? Like the raids are cool and stuff. But I just like playing competitive shooters. In this game, it feels like they keep trying to push me away from that. So like right now, the only way to get end, ge- end game gear is Iron Banner. So that means if you play PvP, you have one time of the month you can get end game pinnacle gear. Whereas with PvE, each week you can do the raid to get it. Or the dungeon. Or you can do some gambit bounties. Or you yeah, can do some other stuff. Like, the, the, the Iron Man rotation is just like you have to do it, and then you have to get the pinnacle gear. But it's like because the game used to have the end game PvP mode every weekend, right? Called Trials of Osiris or Trials of the Nine in Destiny Two, and then they took it away. And they're like, "This will come back eventually." It's been over a year. <laughs> Where did it go? And then they also had the faction rallies. Remember that faction rallies are gone. Faction rallies have been gone for over a year as well. And Bungie keeps saying they're looking to ways to bring it back into the game, but there's no transparency. And so I feel like Destiny as a whole has always had a really strong PvE element. And then the more you move into PvP, the more it falls apart. Like Gambit, Gambit is a game mode where Gambit, I think, really what Bungie should do is just copy Warzone. I think if Bungie copied Warzone, it, w- it would be a much better game mode. Where instead, See, I, I, I got back into Shadowkeep uh, with Destiny 2 when it came to Steam, right? Like it came back to PC, like it, came, like, it made a transition from Battle.net to PC, uh, to, to Steam rather. Uh, 
and I've never played a single round of Gambit. Like the game wants me to play Gambit, like it has like a little quest where it's like, please play Gambit. And I'm just like, nah, bro. I, like I, I don't want to play PvP if I don't to really like it's like I I enjoy playing Iron Banner and that's it. Like it's that's it. Like like the thing with, with Destiny is I've I I basically played a game where it's like I only do the shit I want to do. I probably have like 30 quests. Well, actually, I abandon all of the quests I don't want to do. So I want to collect all the exotic weapons. So I keep those quests around, even though it's like, it's like one, one, one week I'll be like, Hey, I'll focus on this quest and I'll get it done. I'll get the weapon. I don't try and do them all at once, but I go into the game and I play it the way I want to play. And I still end up progressing, which is something they've gotten really good at because even though sort of getting that pinnacle gear is really hard to get, you could still level up if you play whatever you want to play. Right? So if you want to go and only play PVP, you can still get to max level. You just can't. So how it works, right? Is, um, 960 is a level cap if you want to get to 970 right max level you can only do that by getting pinnacle gear but pinnacle gear only drops from iron banner and the pvp side so you have to wait once a month but you at least get like four or five pinnacle drops from iron banana the entire time it's <laughs> iron banana but, <laughs> but right like that's bad for while well, pve people can get it like well, they get multiple pinnacle drops a week so it's it, it's not great for that but still up until like that 960 cap you could still have a pretty good time um you could just pick which mode right even if you want to play gambit go into gambit and do that go play menagerie go play um i don't know go play the sundial right like the bungee's gotten really good at being like where if you play the game you want to play you'll still level up up until the cap which i don't think which i think is really good because prior seasons they used to prior versions of destiny right used to be like if you didn't do this strictly progression this one progression path you'd kind of be fucked on um actually leveling up yeah yeah if you didn't do the raids basically if you didn't do the raids you'd be fucked basically it's just like that's that was my complaint about like destiny one was that like i never got around to doing the raids so i just feel like like there was no point in me playing the game because i didn't really have the time to invest into the raids right but now uh, now right if like yeah. if i if they ever enabled crossplay bungee, <laughs> bungee just, please they mean you could we could do the dungeons right yeah we the could do the dungeons easily too we maybe, could like spend a couple hours maybe we can even get a group together to do a raid like from like people from Macedon, we could get together like a raid group and do some uh, raid uh, but, but at the very least right like if it's just me and you playing there's still like an end game thing we can do where it's where there's two dungeons we can go into either shattered throne or the other one and we could try and you know do that and get some good gear from that so they've at least gotten better at adding things that whilst well is it match made and i don't think raids ever be match made because there's too many mechanics right like a lot of the raids it's like you need a call you need to have voice communication you need to have clear call outs everyone has a defined role for certain encounters and like doing match made with that just seems like a shit yeah that, that's the yeah i mean i understand why they don't match make. like that's yeah. but but there's other but they've added alternatives to it right so so the reason i i guess the reason i to say why i'm putting on my game of the decade is because i played it the most this decade right like this game has hooked me in the f- longest out of any game i would say ever i think like any game i've ever played destiny has had me hooked in the longest and i don't i don't hate it like i'm, I'm having fun with it because because I, I i don't play this game to do everything because that's that's while bungie might say it is right the smart way to play destiny is you do what you want it's like forza horizon right like you play what you want to play and you're going to progress to a point with this game it's and i think how they're doing the new seasons now is really smart I and people are getting a little upset in the community because since Bungie, when Bungie was with Activision, right, what what used to happen is that Activision would pay for three other studios to help Bungie make content. But now that they're solo, Shadowkeep te- has significantly less content in it than the Taken King, or and also the um, Forsaken expansion. But that's because there's only one studio doing it, and Bungie's been really—they've been saying publicly, right? They're like, "Hey, 
There's going to be less shit in this because we also, A, we have a no crunch policy in the studio. Okay. I mean, that's good. That, that's uh, that, so, that, uh, I know people on Reddit have been complaining about it, but like when I look at it that way, it's like, hey, am I happy with what we have in the game right now? Yes. And mind you, Destiny 2 is a really big fucking game. There's like eight planets in there. There's a lot of stuff to do. People are complaining there's nothing to do in the game. That is, I, I like, I, when, when you say like the PvP side is, is stagnating, I like, I, I'm, I'm just like, has have people seen what what how big this fucking game is? Like, how do you even like think about managing the game of this size over time? It's just like it seems like a logistical nightmare in some ways. It's it's it, it, like I'm not. And I think there's some honestly. I think there's some modes Bungie could call out of it. Like, I think Gambit needs a significant overhaul because right now there's like four, three Gambit modes: Reckoning, Gambit, Gambit Prime. Like, honestly, Bungie could just drop a couple of those modes, and I think it did for um. Or what's it called? Um, the Vanguard, Vanguard stuff as well for the strikes. Because right now you have the daily heroic playlist, you have the Nightfall, the Ordeal, and then you have regular strikes, and then you also have a um, uh, a non match made Nightfall mode where you only where you can get points on it and get uh, Pinnacle gear, but you have to buy like cards from Zer for it, which is really confusing. I think honestly, it should be shuffled into like three playlists where you have daily heroic missions, you have Nightfall, the Ordeal, and then you have um. And then you have like the the manual nightfall mode, and I think honestly, where it's because, like the ordeal could be like a match made playlist where you have different um, difficulty levels, right? That's how they do it right now. And then the heroic playlist, I think, should not be should just be like a match made playlist of just playing heroic missions with random modifiers that also gives you like weapon drops. And then the regular non match made nightfall should be like the hardest content in the game. And then for gambit, it should honestly just be like reckoning which really needs an overhaul because reckoning is still not that fun to play but reckoning for like the sort of horde mode style mode and then you also have um i think gambit prime maybe should stay i don't know gambit is overall like fuck bungie just copy um that but as well i think for the pvp side like they really need to add in trials back like pv people really need an end game mode for it that happens once a week they could play for it because the old idea of trials right it's like you have to be really good because trials is you go Nine matches, nine wins with zero losses gets you guaranteed end game co- like gear, right? Really good rolls. You go to the lighthouse for it. That's how it was in Destiny 1. And I think they should bring that back. Because while you might say to yourself, right, like, well, what if I'm not good? Well, it's like there's other ways to get drops, right? But there's like there's people who play this game to be really good at PvP and they deserve to like Yeah, which I mean <laughs> I, I sometimes I, I like sometimes it's weird to me because like there are better PvP shooters in my opinion right now, obviously, right? Uh, and I mean, but people want to well, play. The, the problem with Destiny is that the the weapons team is always like, we need to do weapons tuning where this this weapons acts the same in Crucible as it does outside of Crucible, and that that is always the Achilles heel of it. Because everyone in the community were like, well, what if you just balance them differently? Like, if this gun was really good against the boss, but you know, kind of okay in a regular gunfight in Crucible, I don't think anyone yeah, would it's complain. Like, it's like. It's like you know, like Mida multi tool isn't that good in Crucible, right? It's like it used to be, and then it, and then they nerfed it to hell, and and I still use it because I don't want to use another gun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I tried. I, I was playing Crucible with, and then I was using the Mida multi tool, and I was just like, oh no, it's, this is this is not oh, this is not gonna work. It's like the fire the fire rate is not fast enough for me to take down these enemies. Uh, so like, uh, yeah. But Destiny was never about the PvP for me. Really, it was more about the PVE stuff, and I enjoyed like the pve content my favorite bit of uh like destiny 2 is is mars actually mars is i think my favorite planet because i like doing the uh the escalation protocol uh escalation protocol i think is is a really fun activity especially if you get like a good group of people in in the which is, is luck based i guess but it's like 
if you if you have a good group of people who are willing to follow like do the thing the whole, whole way through it's it's really cool uh so yeah like the, the game's fun it's just that i don't know bungie should like ideally two people in a community are like they're like what if like there's like this always this thought um i love that it's like the bungie please post <laughs> like it's even has its own tag on the subreddit where like people are like don't don't scrap this all and make another game like literally like even if the game becomes like just keep the game as is maybe add like some of the old maps from destiny one back in right and then just like give us more just like fix the game modes up and we'll be happy yeah it's like people i think we what people want is is is, it's just an mmo bro people just want their mmo people just want their like persistent world they want to play these are the people who don't want to play world of warcraft but they want to play an mmo that's a shooter and so Bungie? And I think they took, Bungie also took a really big, good step towards that with the new uh, mod system with gear and um and yes and the shadow keep because well we're kind of fucking it up right now because so any gear you got before season of the dawn can't have season of the dawn mods applied to it so you have to get new um armor in order to apply the season specific mods which is something I really hope Bungie doesn't do because the idea of like say. From Forsaken to Shadowkeep, armor and weapons maybe not being as useful in Shadowkeep is fine because it's a whole year, right? That expansion has gone for an entire year, so that's fine. But where you have it where there's like within two months, the gear I just got is kind of going to shit. I think that's too too soon. He's getting new gear is fine, right? The idea of like each expansion, there's like a new gear path, new things you can do with gear, even hell, even new weapons, even if I like my Mita, whatever combo, like the fact that that there's still sort of that progression path, that's fine to me. That doesn't bother me. But when it comes to like it being such a short time period, that's when I'm like, well, then why am I working so hard to get this high level gear? If it, yeah, it is that. I mean, I, I'm taking a break from Destiny 2 for this season because I played through the like the Undying season, right? Uh, all of it. I would still say play the same 14 quests because they're good. They're good story quests. I don't know. I have some, like, right now, I can't really get back into Destiny because I have a bunch of other games that I want to play, like, that are, like, single-player titles that I want to finish. Like, I want to play. I probably should take a break from it, too, because I really, I have have to finish Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like, I just, I just left the first world. I left the first, I I got the ship now. Oh, that's you just that's the beginning of the game, bro. Yeah, Jesus. that's where I'm at in the game uh, right now. I mean, yeah, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it's it's fun. Uh, it's well, I mean, the story has. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but this is a questionable story. Uh, but uh, but I think with this, we should probably wrap we should up. wrap this up. I think this has been a good episode overall. I think it's think been a good year, a good year for the podcast. Good, good year know? for the podcast. We put uh, 35 episodes out. Proud of us. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this last episode of this decade. Yeah. Uh, so. Shades of Brown. Still, we're still talking about Destiny and Assassin's Creed and web apps. From the first episode, we're yelling about web apps, yelling about Linux, yelling about Destiny. Um, rip Windows Phone. Um, rip Kin. Rip Zune HD. Um, Google Plus. Rip. Rip Google Wave. Rip um, Jewel Pods. Rip. Uh, what? What else died this decade? Um, rip. This is my next rip Unity. Unity came and died in the same decade. Oh my god. Yeah, it did. Like it did did come and go. Yeah. Rip Unet, you you Udev, whatever system D replaced. Rip Pul- uh, also um rip rip GTK as a whole. Um <laughs> I think GTK rip the original Chrome OS before it went to a windowed system. Rip uh ice cream sandwich with a holo design came and went in the same decade. Um what else died? Metro, rip Windows 8 came and died. Same same decade um what, what else what else 
Oh, the Nexus Q? Rip that. <laughs> Nexus Rip the entire Nexus line as a whole. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Google Stadia, who knows if it's going to die? We still got two more days left, Google. Two more days to kill it. Uh, what what else? I'm actually let me open up real quick. The Verge's decade and failure. Oh failed tech God. I didn't decade. even know that they did that. Like it's like yeah. I'm gonna pull this up. Let's see. Let's go to. <laughs> like, we need. To, I just want to run through some. The of Nexus Q. I forgot about that. Like that was like the little cube, like the circle. Yeah, there's like a. It's like music and stuff. Okay, so here we go. I got the 84 biggest flops, fails, and dead dreams of the decade in tech. So. The, we got the Apple Watch Edition. Remember that one? The 10K? Oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember when this announced it. <laughs> remember the Juju tablet? I What? Excuse me? <laughs> what? Michael, uh, Mike, Mike Arrington, <laughs> the co-founder of TechCrunch, tried to make an Android tablet. What? I didn't even know. Like, <laughs> yeah, We have the Google Reader, Rip Google Reader, um, the App Secret. What else? Google Fiber you know, came you know, and went. You know, you know the rip Google Reader, but like the RSS, RSS is still you know RSS but. new Net News Wire iOS beta really good. So RSS is coming back. Um, Microsoft Band. I owned one. I fucking love the Band Two. I didn't have the Band One. The Band Two was great. Let's see what else we got. Valve's Artifact card game. Remember that one? Yes, I do remember that. That was recent too. Like damn, that was. Uh, see what else we got? We got um. EverQuest next, yeah, that was a failure there. Uh, Google Tango, remember the ki- the phones that had like the huge cameras for AR and stuff on them oh, that never came to market. That oh oh, rest in peace. Oh. What else we got the Facebook phone by HTC. Remember, there was a phone that had the keyboard <laughs> and the Facebook button on it. The what? Oh yeah, 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 I remember that. Like it was like. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fucking great. It's like an HTC phone with like a Android, like a Facebook Android skin. Facebook had the Android launcher and all that. I remember that. Um, this is where chat heads came from. So we see we got chat bots. Remember Microsoft made that Tay AI that became racist within a week. I remember that. Everybody just fed it racist shit and became like a racist. Yeah, see, we got Google Daydream rip. Um, Sopa and Pippa rip. Uh, Android tablets as a concept <laughs> came and died. <laughs> One of the things on this list is, is ISIS, the mobile wallet system. I think that was like a, like a, the thing that the uh, the carriers did, right? Like it's the- now called Zelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see what else we got. We got um, Essential. Fuck Essential. Fuck you, Andy Rubin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck Andy Rubin. Go fuck himself. Let's just say that straight <laughs> up. Gang shit. Um, what we got? Samsung Pixby. Yeah. Um, we got Windows 8. Yep. Air power. <laughs> Air power. Air power. Oh yeah! Uh, oh yeah! Do you remember the OEA? Like the oh yeah, Sony owns it. That's became PlayStation now. Oh yeah, Does Sony own right. it. I, yeah. Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Okay, I remember. then we got Google's Project R. Remember phone blocks? Everyone was like obsessed with phone blocks. Mm. Like rip the connect. Oh, oh! Did you have a connect? Like at any point? No, I never bought a connect. And I, I, I bought my Xbox after they forced you to have a connect with it. Oh, rip young blood! Remember when Peter Thiel was trying to get people like teenage blood into his veins because he thought it'd make him younger? <sighs> of course I do. Like that is just that is just like like that's just everything wrong with, the, with this fucking world. It's just like, all right. So <laughs> can we, uh, folks, can we get a can we get an F in the chat for the PlayStation Vita? I was just looking at that. I was just like, oh man. Sony, what? Why? Sony, why? <laughs> Please. Let's see. Equifax. Yep, that's will I. Everything will I am touches. That is correct. Oh, oof, oof. You remember the touchpad? Remember that because like we were trying to meet you. Was like me and you, or was it me and someone else on IRC? We're trying to make like a shitty JavaScript app for WebOS because they're mailing out free touchpads. Oh my god. Yeah, like the touch touchpad was the it was a WebOS devices, right? Yep. Because. <laughs> 
Uh, oh shit, steam machines. Yes. Oh yeah, steam machines. Valve really tried to like get make like the steam controller and the steam the steam machine thing happen, but it didn't happen. So just just yeah, Windows RT and the original Surface RT, which I remember going to a Microsoft store when they first came out to try. And that, Bla- Blackberry that, that keyboard. Blackberry died this this decade. Uh, the the fire festival. Where's Ja Rule? Where's that's a Dave Chappelle reference. <laughs> Have you seen an episode of the Chappelle show before? It's where um he's talking about like um after 9-11 happened, he's talking about like the news. He's like, the news is always mentioning like, let's have celebrity. Like, and I'm supposed to be at my house wondering what Ja Rule thinks. Could somebody please get Ja? Can somebody Hilarious. please get Ja? Oh. Okay, um Apple Maps, major F. I did Apple Maps really die though? Like it just it's still around, like right. It's like I don't know. It's like I would say, what do you think is a bigger fail of the decade: the butterfly keyboard or Android tablets? I would say, but the butterfly keyboard because how do you fuck up a keyboard? Like in, in- I would say you're wrong. Both aren't as bad as Google's messaging strategy. <laughs> yeah, that's a trap. <laughs> I mean, it's like I mean, can you can you really fail if you don't have a strategy? Like, it's, it's that- holy shit, holy shit, static. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about Google Glass. I forgot that existed. Rest- Rest, rest in peace, Google Glass. Rest in peace. Oh, the Note Seven. Do you remember the Note Seven? Yeah, the, it was blowing up. The blowing up. All right, I think we should wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's no matter no matter whatever failed this decade, whatever came and went this decade, none none of y'all did me as dirty as when no one supported Windows Phone with me. So honestly, this decade was bad because of everyone except me. <laughs> because because <laughs> nobody supported Windows Phone because Windows Listen, Phone world, was. I here I have I have a crackpot theory, all right? I have a theory that we'd be living in that eGPU world if Windows Phone stood alive. Okay, that you gotta explain to me sometime else because that is uh <laughs> because that with sounds that, like some, with- some third eye bullshit. Like I, I, I don't even wanna get into it. It sounds like something that would air <laughs> on the history channel because they air all that bullshit now. Um, um with that you can find the show notes for the past decade and for the next decade at two shades of brown.com because a certain person doesn't want to register shades of brown.com and he wants to keep the the same url yeah i mean it's fine it's it's, it's part of our history now it's like we have we have a different domain than we have a podcast name. that's that's just how we roll uh so shades of brown two shades of brown.com you can find the show notes there contact at two shades of brown.com is the email address where you can send feedback what are your games of the decade like yeah, tell us tell us your games of the decade. Uh, what are, what are your tech failures of the decade? Did you buy an OEA for some reason? I don't know. Uh, let us know. Uh, and you can uh, for now. I'm not going to give my Mastodon URL because soon I'm going to be changing accounts. So for now, so for now, just go to SalikSafe.com. Uh, that page has all the latest links to all the places. So whenever that changes, you can just go there uh, instead. And uh, Christian. Where do people find you on the internet? So, if you were listening in 2014, you could have found me on googleplus.com slash plus Christian Blah. If you were listening in 2016, it would have been twitter.com slash Josephide. If you're listening in 2018, it would have been tenforward.social slash Josephine or instance.business slash Josephine. Rip that. Or boys.computer slash Josephine. Rip that. Or even more so, cyber.space slash at josephine but 2020 we're bringing back personal websites so go to josephine.website find all the links there 
Um, please don't email spam, uh, spam. I've been saying that we've been getting spam for five years now. I, I really don't want to get more spam. Um, and hopefully, at least, we'll at least be- if you send spam, make it interesting, you know, so make it something like, interesting. Like, let me clown on you on the timeline. At least if you're spam, don't be sending that business casual shit. But, um, yeah, for, for now, forever, for the next decade until this, actually, this podcast will probably be around forever. <laughs> It's, um, it's please, if you if you if you're gonna put us on archive.org, hit me up. I got the source files. I don't want I don't want no MP3s on archive.org. I'm gonna give you the <laughs> flax. I'm gonna there. give you the flax. Come on, put, I'm gonna give you the flax. Uh, give you the flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Shades of brown forever. Shades of brown <laughs> forever. Uh, and goodbye. <laughs>